Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Hello and welcome. Wow. What an incredible gallery of powerful women we have on today. So excited to talk about this new heavy coffee table book, heavy in more than one sense, called Hidden, the work of 40 40 photojournalists. I'm going to start with Joanne MacArthur. Tell us all about this book why you have an Indiegogo campaign and how all of you women photojournalists joined with uh, many others to produce. Really, I think it's going to be an historic work that's going to be a collector's item as well. It is. It is, in fact, historic and a collector's item because we've already sold out of the first edition, if you can believe it, much to our surprise. Um, We're already going into a second edition. Um, I guess the book is timely. Uh, I I knew it would be, but it looks like the world agrees. And it's a book of what is and should never again be specifically about the hidden animals, not so much the wildlife, not so much the companion animals we have in our lives, but the animals that we eat and wear and use in medical research and so on. And uh, this is a book of 320 pages, 40 contributors worldwide. Uh, I've been keeping a close eye on animal photojournalism in the last few years and the people who are doing really strong work out there. And so I'm I'm really glad that you invited us on because we get to talk with not just me, but with Louise and Julie and Bridget, who are incredible photographers and have made some incredible contributions to this book. Well, uh, let's start with... Louise, left to right here. Louise, uh, thank you for joining us. How hard is it to to take these photographs? Even looking at them sometimes is gut-wrenching and nightmarish, but they're also aesthetically beautiful, which creates all sorts of mixed emotions inside one uh, when you look at it. How did you get the photos? What photos did you take and how hard was this? All right. Well, we'll go to Bridget on that one, and we'll come back. The cow. Oh, oh, there you go, Louise. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, the photos I show in the book are of the pig and the cow's eye, um, the close-ups inside the trucks, the transport trucks at the slaughters. Um, I take those photos actually weekly because I organize the Toronto Cow Save Vigils, um, and I find when I'm taking them. I'm not really, um, I'm not feeling a lot at that moment. It's when I get home and start editing photos and then I am able to see them um, close up and I know those animals are now gone, that it really hits me hard. And um, so I'm really grateful to Joanne for um, putting some of those photos in the book because um, I've been doing this for years and um, just so grateful that she's not so Thank you. Bridget, let me ask you again, what photos did you take? How did you get them? And how difficult was it? So I took um, some of the zoo captures. I've been working on a project for 11 or 12 years about animals in zoos and aquaria, which is uh, a bit different than the slaughterhouse and the more graphic images of the animals dying um, to look at. I feel like they're prettier to look at, but taking them, it's always interesting because I'm surrounded by groups of people. It's not me alone. And there are so many families laughing and kids banging on the glass. And I've seen people do things to zoo animals. I've seen zoo animals escape while I'm photographing them and harmed. And it's very heavy to feel the weight of that and be surrounded by so many people who just either don't see it or aren't seeing it or convincing their kids to not see what the kids instinctually see in the animals, which is complete misery. So Julie, um, what did you photograph and how hard was it 
to get these aesthetically beautiful photos of something that is really a shameful, a shameful experience in, in human history. Uh, the, my image that's included in the book is um, of the, there's a dead camel uh, outside the Pushkar Camel Fair in India. Every year there's a camel festival where um, thousands of people bring hundreds of thousands of camels to sell and to breed and to ride. Um, it's, a, it's a really famous festival. I, and at the end of the two weeks, um, it's easy to go into the countryside and find dead camels that have been abandoned, that did not sell or that were sick or injured and um, that died out, out, of, out of the city on their own. Uh, so that was the image I, w- I spent. I've been there a few times to the festival and have photographed um, all aspects of it. And um, yeah, that that that's that's my main image that was in this project. <laughs> Let me get back to Joanne MacArthur. What is the purpose of this book? When I saw the book and the link to the Indiegogo page is in the introduction. So I urge everyone to go there and get this book. It, there's probably one person you have to holiday shop for, maybe. I don't know. This COVID has hopefully um, minimized our uh, tradition of just obscene um, overconsumption during the holiday season. However, this is a very meaningful message to someone. Who do you picture getting this book? Because it's so beautiful. So it's kind of like, in a way, is it speciesist to say a Trojan horse? Probably. But it's a way to deliver a message with a gorgeous book that's a coffee table book, but maybe it's the same person you've been having a conversation with for 30 years about how, hey, you call yourself a spiritual person, you call yourself a a kind person, and yet what you're eating and what you're wearing is co-signing the worst cruelty imaginable. Who do you see as the ultimate uh, receiver of this incredible book. That was really well said. Thank you. Uh, it is interesting because it's a book of very disturbing images. So one must wonder who would want this book. And yet it is, um, what it is, is is proof in this you know historic format. That's why we create books is when you want to give something weight. And this book has five pounds of weight. Uh, we want this thing to, to stick around and to be collected and put into, you know, eventually um, museums and libraries. So who the audience is, it's twofold. Um, We want people to have the book, to look at the book, but the book is almost even more so a conversation piece. Uh, We are 40 animal photojournalists coming together to say that this is worthy of a book. These animals are worthy of this kind of visibility. And so what you do with a book of this magnitude is create conversations globally in a media of all kinds, which is what you're helping us do. And we want to get this book under the noses of editors, photo editors, journalists, and also other photographers. I'm really excited that animal photojournalism is an ever-evolving genre and that more conservation photographers and pet photographers and wildlife photographers will take notice and say, huh, this is interesting. This is an evolution of photography in a direction that is very newsy and uh, important, especially in this time in the world where we are in a great ecological battle and there's climate change and there are forest fires. Uh, All of these things tie together. So it's very important that we include the animals in that conversation and in this this type of photography. Now, uh, I want to ask Bridget, um, when books that are important are done, usually they're reviewed. What we find in our carnist world is that no matter what information we put out, no matter how beautifully it's packaged, it is completely ignored by Carnist Media uh, because they're so invested in uh, maintaining the status quo. Even during a time of pandemic, I just wrote an article that I just published on Jane Unchained that talks about the mink massacre. I mean, 17 million mink were slaughtered approximately, give or take a few million, in Denmark because they showed a mutation 
of COVID that could hurt the vaccine's effectiveness. And so the response was from the human race, let's kill 17 million mink, even though it's now cropping up in other, there's a spot of Oregon that has a mink with coronavirus. There's um, another country in Europe, Greece has mink with coronavirus. Instead of saying let's end fur, the answer from the human race is more biosecurity at mink farms. This is the sickness of our species, even when it's killing people, even when it threatens the human species, we can't stop the indiscriminate mass torture and slaughter of these animals. And no serious journalist, no journalist, except for one opinion writer made one reference to the suffering of the animals. So what would you ideally like to see the mainstream media do with this book uh, in a way to engage the public in a conversation that we really need to have? I think that the most important thing is to instill a sense of responsibility. Uh, not only, this isn't just about, like Joanne said, about food, what we wear. I mean, we are feeling the effects of this, all of us, every single day. I think that it's a really ripe time in our history to spin books like this that include many more messages in a way that people are responsible for looking at these images. There is this dichotomy where everybody wants to benefit and take all the things from the animals, but they don't ever want to see it. And I think now that a book like this exists, which I have never seen before, I think that people should be presenting it in a way where it's your responsibility to partake in this conversation around what it is that you're doing and what effects it has, because it's just being ignored repeatedly. The mink, the mink slaughter is one thing. COVID is another thing. The carnivore diet fad is on the rise, which is another thing that's completely backed by poor evidence and no proof. And now this book exists where we can show people that this is what your actions cause. This is the reality that these animals and we are living with. Well, I ordered the book. Uh, I really think it's absolutely fantastic. There's a very successful Indiegogo campaign going on. But immediately I started to think, well, who should get this book? And I was thinking of Piers Morgan, who you know, sort of famously um, hostile to plant-based diets, it, it, just very odd, um, his, his persistent hostility to any new vegan product that comes out. Maybe he should get it. But the question is, would, would he be able to get it? Would he read it? So uh, tell us a little bit, Joanne, about the Indiegogo campaign, because I, I see that it's very successful. And by the way, those of you watching, there's a link to the Indiegogo campaign right there uh, on the introduction to this live video. Thanks. Uh, we, we labored over how much money we should ask to raise in the Indiegogo, and we settled after a lot of number crunching on 65,000 US because we wanted to make this beautiful, and like the right people and the right designers and the right paper, the right printer. So we settled on 65,000, and we were really nervous about this, but we actually uh, achieved that amount in three days. And the Indiegogo campaigns have uh, 60 days. And so to date, uh, we have raised, uh, getting close to $250,000 for this book. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So people just keep buying it and supporting it and becoming major donors to the project by way of five, ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 gifts to keep the project going and uh, going and growing. And um, we've, uh, because we have additional funding, what we're doing is giving away a lot of free books to influential people. So you mentioned Pierce Morgan. Uh, people are able to nominate chefs, journalists, politicians, young influencers, whoever you think will help get this book out there. We're able to send those books to them for free. Um, and it's an expensive book. And it's also really expensive to ship because it's heavy. So all the additional funding coming our way is, is uh, super useful and helpful. It's going into printing the second edition. And we just got news today that uh, in Italy, in Italian bookstores, there are requests for almost 180 um, books from various bookstores across the country. And that's just one country. Um, so what we also need to do is get um, money towards people who can like help distribute it and help get it into bookstores. So it's just turned into like a really, really, really big project. Wow. 
that is oh that is like astounding congratulations all of you yeah i'm just going to throw it out there uh, people i would like to see get this book very important rachel maddow okay she's uh, a pretty much the leader in the media of the progressives um she's highly intelligent i don't really and she has let me give her some credit with the um covid sweeping through the slaughterhouses she has reported a lot on that even though she calls it meat packing they can't seem to use the word slaughter it's very difficult for the mainstream media to use the word slaughter uh, i guess it brings it too much close to home they they all call it meat packing facilities meat packing plants mm-hmm. and uh so i will give her some credit though that she has discussed it and uh i think that we have to get these thought leaders i would love to see a book in fact you know i'll donate my book as much as i would like to be a part of it i think it's more important for her to get that book so help however that works how does it work i mean i'm sure everybody watching is thinking oh i want so and so to get it i want so i would love bill gates to get it i would mm-hmm. love the head of google to get it i would love jeff bezos to get it uh i would love all of these um the handful of the most influential people in america obviously the president elect and the vice president elect and um elizabeth warren who has joined with Cory Booker the senator from New Jersey who's vegan to um promote a bill that would ultimately phase out factory farming if passed even though over the course of what i believe is way too many years but i mean how does it work where you get this incredible tome to these influential people Well that's a good question because that's where we need help in fact it's all good and well that people are nominating Obama and you know all these big people to receive the book but how do we actually get books past their security you know so that's that's one part of the puzzle so we're telling people if you're nominating someone please give us any help on how we can actually get it to them uh some of them it's going to be wow. a big challenge but whoever can help with that that's absolutely appreciated i'd say cory booker is probably the most nominated person he uh-huh. probably doesn't even need a book because we know he's on board mm-hmm. um but yeah we really want to get them into the hands of journalists and rachel maddow is a great idea and oh yeah uh, uh, and the more the more funding that comes into indiegogo the more funding there is to give books away for free and to put push into getting the book that much farther Well what I also see is an idea and one of the things that I love to do with the the live videos is to brainstorm some of the best ideas come up when you're live because you really thinking like well oh, let's think really carefully about this is maybe go live as you try to deliver the books all right in other words if you create a whole campaign or a video campaign or a live campaign or a nicely produced video around we tried to deliver this book to XYZ and here's what happened you know um mm. and then tag them on Twitter i mean i would think a, a good way would be to tag them on Twitter and say we want to deliver this book to you please yeah, right. ensure your um your um your people you'd have to find out who their publicists are yeah and, exactly and, it's a lot of work It's a lot of work. You need a yeah. detective. You need a detective. You know what's uh, wonderful is that um Joaquin Phoenix who wrote the foreword to the book actually came out to a vigil last week that Louise was hosting outside of the Burlington Pig Save where Regan Russell was killed this summer. She was horrifically killed by one of the trucks carrying pigs and um it was just wonderful that uh that that he came out and showed support and so many people have been doing that and we really want to keep Regan Regan's Regan's spirit alive and all of her generosity and giving and all the time she put into activism and raising awareness and um we do mention her in the book as well it's only right uh we're going to take a very short break on Voice America Radio but we're going to stay live on Facebook so sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for us at keyword voice America. 
Are you ready for provocative discussions with some of today's most powerful movers and shakers? Tune in to The Art of Significance, featuring Dan Clark, the modern-day Napoleon Hill, who interviews the wealthiest, most successful celebrities and business leaders on the planet who are using their influence to change the world. From authors to entertainers, sports figures, educators to military leaders, Dan covers multiple topics. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel the voice america talk radio network is on instagram make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows live events and around the network we want to see what you have to share as well check us out on instagram at voice america talk radio we don't follow we lead join us the voice america influencers channel You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. We have an amazing group of powerhouse photojournalists. I am so in awe of all of them, and uh, you're all my heroes. You've put together this incredible book, Hidden, and it is a whole campaign. It's not just a book. It's a book. There it is. Oh, my gosh. Push it a little closer to the camera so we can see, and how thick is it? Let me, hold, let me give you a, a, a whole view here. Let's see this. Uh, can you talk, talk me through it? Talk me through it, if you would. Yeah, okay. Um, talking you through it. Well, it um, it has many different chapters based on the different uses that we have of animals, um, including chapters on culture and tradition, chapters on animals used in labor, animals used in entertainment. There's a chapter on slaughter, which is at the center of the book. Um, that's, the, that's the really hardcore one. Um, images of animals who have been killed because of pandemics like this one and viruses that we have caused, diseases that we have caused. So we have images. Yeah. If you could hold it up while you talk, because the only time we will see your um, screen is when you're talking. So you'd have to talk and hold it up at the same Ah, time. Okay. (laughs) Well, um, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll come back to this this page because it's so strong. Uh, Louise took these images uh, into transport trucks. And this is actually Louise's specialty and what she has been doing for many, many years, um, bearing witness on a weekly basis and encouraging other people to do so. Um, I know that Louise's, uh, um, your sound is funny, but it it kicks in after like a few seconds. So I'd love to hear more about, about bearing witness and also Julie's contribution to this book, like Julie has one image in the book, but she has been photographing the world over. Um, Julie's been dedicated to animal stories globally for many, many years and and is a big inspiration to me, especially with all the sanctuary work that she's done worldwide as well. Um, I just want to shout out Bridget again, because Bridget has dedicated many years to this one project and like Louise has done focusing on one story and one kind of story. Bridget's been doing that as well with zoos. And uh, when you do something long-term as these three women have done, the, the results produced are beautiful and strong. Like anything, you have to do it often to get good at it. And these are three people who have really done that. So um, Louise, that, those are incredible photos. Absolutely incredible. Uh, speak up and tell us if you would, how hard it is to make eye contact with these animals because to me that's when it really just it's soul crushing yeah it's important to me to um get photos up there 
their eyes and capture their expression because most people think of the, the animals that we eat as kind of machines, like they're not you know, human beings that have feelings and they suffer, um, and they express that suffering too. So for me, it's important to capture that, and um, especially as um, the animals are individuals, and share that with everybody to show them that you know these these animals are just like us, and if they knew that, they wouldn't contribute to that. So um, I do try to cap- capture the expression and the emotion in animals um, while I'm at the vigils. And also, I also go to um, animal auctions and farms around where I live because I moved out of the city. I live in a farming community now. And um, I see these animals daily. So, um, you know, most people look at them and they just don't even think about it really. And um, so we try to force them to think about this. You know, uh, it's so easy, uh, Julie, to see cruelty when it's happening in the past. And uh, there are some incredible documentaries just staying at home due to COVID. I've been watching a lot of documentaries, documentaries about World War I, World War II, the Civil War, the great Ken Burns documentary. And you see these images of horrific cruelty and you go, oh my God, oh my God, how can human beings do this to one another how can our species be so horribly cruel? It's easy to see it when it's history. It's hard to see cruelty when it's happening in real time. Um, and that's why it's so important to document it. And uh, so what are your thoughts on that, Julie, as you are not just a photojournalist, but in a way a historian? I, I think I think that it of course, you're right, it is easy to look into the past because there's nothing that we can do. It's hard to look into the present and watch suffering because there is something that we can do. Um, I was talking to my seven-year-old son yesterday when we were looking through the book, and he said that he would never be able to do it because he would he would stop the cruelty at that moment. And... Of course, that's what we all would want to do. But to really help the animals, we have to step back and um, kind of close, close ourselves, close our, close our hearts for a moment, and put up the wall and 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 to to properly tell their stories, which is what Joanne MacArthur is a master at, and. Uh, this book is a document to the animals that are suffering suffering right now. So, it it maybe it is why it's harder to look at this book than than any other book that's ever been made because it's happening now every single second. Do you find of times over. Bridget that it's a little easier to hide behind a camera? I know when I use the word hide, what I mean is I go to vigils too. And I find if I'm busy with my camera and go, going live, it, it, it's almost easier. And then when I put the camera down and, and I just take it in, it's when it hits me like a punch to the stomach. Uh, yeah, and I think Louise had touched on that earlier, that in the moment, you, you know, you do really focus on getting the shot. And it, you, when you go home, it tends to hit you. I know that I've been at zoos. I saw um, two elephants get beaten with a bull hook once at a zoo in Syracuse, New York. And I just had tears streaming down my face and I was in a huge crowd of people. And I just kept the camera up to my face so that no one could tell I was crying because it's it's the turning your heart off. Jo- Joanne is a master at it. I'm not. Um, it's very, very difficult. Uh, I couldn't even get through looking through the book without sobbing, let alone taking the pictures. Um, so yeah, I do think that it's easier to have a purpose and a focus and you worry about the composition and the lighting and getting the shot. So you don't have to worry about whatever horrific thing it is that you're looking at. Uh, if, I can, if I can add to that, um, and Jane, you were, sure, mentioning, you were mentioning earlier about how um, mainstream media is inherently conservative and that they aren't publishing images like this. But I do see that changing. And that's also the purpose of the book. You asked about who the audience is. 
we wanted to create a book that is so strong that it would capture anyone's attention. And so we have seen, um, we have seen The Guardian cover this uh, book and it was mentioned in the National Geographic newsletter. And uh, yeah, we have all sorts of uh, opportunities lined up, especially in Europe, which is great. Um, yeah, for visibility to this book. And um, not only is it because the images are strong and the production quality is, is, is strong, but because we just cannot refute um, what we're seeing in the book. Like, it's just so full on and it's so real. And the book brings us so close to the animals um, through eye contact and through just poignant moments. And um, yeah. <laughs> Let's go to some of our callers. We got a caller, Alisa, uh, your question or thought. Thank you. Um, it's such a pleasure to, 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 to see you do this, um, this book. Maybe pleasure is not the right word. It's that I'm familiar with your work and I've seen your other books and um, they are just astonishing. I have one of them in my library, your, 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 bee, your, your um, bee Animals book. I, I, I have a question because I do, photogra- I do some photography as a hobby. How do you, I mean, do, do you use very fast film or do you adjust your camera to allow for a very fast, um, um, uh, or, or uh, what would be analogous to um, high-speed film? How do you get such incredible resolution in such dark places without having like a spotlight? It's just incredible. Are you, is, is, I suppose everything is digital. Is there, is there anything, any trick or anything you can say to be able to um, help someone take photos in dark places? Because good I've question. had the opportunity to take photos yeah. of animals. That's a very good question because these vigils often happen at night. Uh, who wants to grab it? How about Bridget? You want to grab it? Sure. Um, I, and I will say there, I do think I took, uh, the We Animals Masterclass, which they have available on photojournalism, which definitely does give, uh, some very helpful lighting tips. I know that Joe sometimes brings like a little light with her when it's pitch black. Um, I think for the most part, uh, I think everything is digital. Uh, speaking for myself, it is digital and you basically just have to learn the easiest way to bump up all the settings on your camera without degrading the quality, which is typically done through the speed of the ISO. Um, if you're a hobbyist, your camera might struggle with that a bit, but then I would say that I did not start out with a good camera. This zoo project was started on a crop frame, little 12 megapixel camera. There are a lot of post-processing tricks you can do to decrease noise in dark spaces and kind of bring back some of the information to your image. But I would say that the We Animals Masterclass is a fantastic place to start. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that existed. That's amazing because I'm Miss Autopilot. (laughs) Autofocus. Thanks for mentioning it, Bridget. I'm autofocus all the way. Um, We We have another caller. Oh, Oh, sorry. If I can can add to that. Uh, We do get tons of questions about how-tos in animal photojournalism. And so, yeah, the masterclass is eight episodes, and it's on our website, weanimalsmedia.org. You can definitely go there. But you're right, Bridget. I do bring a spotlight, which which helps in low-light situations. ISO, you're absolutely right. We can bump that up, and Louise knows that well because she's always shooting into the inside of dark trucks, especially. But I would say that the most important thing you need to concentrate on is uh, catching those poignant moments. And don't worry too much if they're a little bit grainy. Um, Photojournalism looks like that. It tends to look grainy. So just keep shooting and keep working on those angles and getting close up and getting focusing on the most meaningful images that you can of the animals that document the animal's situation. We're going to go to Dan. Dan, uh, what is your question or thought? Uh, yes, from a Canadian perspective, uh, the question was, uh, A, was the book published in Canada? And if it was, that would mean or we can confirm that that book would end up in the parliamentary uh, library and possibly even made available to all our Canadian MPs, in particular, Minister of uh, Agriculture, Health, and uh, our Prime Minister themselves. So, was the book published in Canada? It sure was. I didn't know that, Dan. Thanks so much for, for telling me about this possibility. I guess next step is figuring out how to get it there. 
Yeah, I mean, Trudeau should definitely uh, be open to looking at this. Um, it's, it's disturbing that so many people who consider themselves progressive and in every other respect on the right side of ish, environmental issues, often this is their biggest blind spot. So that mm-hmm. is uh, definitely someone who put, on, put them on the list. Um, okay, we've got uh, Simone. Simone is on hold. Simone, your question or thought? Hi. Well, first of all, I wanted to say that everyone from you, Jane, as a journalist, everybody who's taking pictures of the horrors that nobody else sees is a hero because it's so hard to look into the eyes of these animals and not lose it completely. But I guess my question is, have you come up against a lot of censorship? You know, not only people censoring themselves or wanting to see things that show them that, that they're part of the problem, but I did a TEDx talk and it was on animal rights. And I felt completely um, at a disadvantage because I was not allowed to use any of the photos that showed any real suffering at all. And so I just wonder in, uh, in your experiences, if you've come up against that, of you have these pictures that, you know, we're going to change the way that people perceive animals. And yet, you know, a larger entity censors you from doing that. Wow. Great question. Yeah. Yeah, um, I will say that there's been plenty of censorship, but that's changing. And why I'm so excited to be an animal photojournalist right now is that we are literally changing history every day, every time that we help open a door to animal photojournalism and to these stories. We're seeing it all across all media platforms. We're seeing it in the photo competitions, which typically exclude domestic animals. And that's changing. Um, there are now categories that include all animals. And so in the like wildlife photographer of the year, which is the biggest award in, in the world, like it's changing there, it's changing everywhere. Uh, and that's our job. So we, we have a lot of work to do. We have to go out and get the images, but then for me, that's where the work starts. That's where like phase two starts. Um, a lot of people take pictures and they create something beautiful and they're like, ha, ah, okay, I did it. It's done. But no, that's where we have to hit the pavement with promoting the work, talking about the work and getting it out into the world. I urge everyone, please, the Indiegogo campaign link is in the intro. Go there and support this. This is so important. And this, this is a book that who would, who would turn it away? Sure, you get a leaflet, you go, eh, but you get a gorgeous, how many, how heavy is it? Five pounds, 320 pages. I mean, this is a, this is a book for the ages. You're not going to try to edit. That's, that's very clever. Okay, Sarah, your question or thoughts, Sarah? Oh, hi. Oh, gosh, this is amazing. These photos, although very disturbing, are so real and, and authentic. And I just, oh, I'm blown away. I want to know more about your photojournalism class, how people can sign up, and could you just give a little bit of an overview? I'm just so blown away. This is incredible. Thank you for doing this. Oh, I'm so glad. Uh, Yeah, over the years, people ask me the same questions all the time. They ask me technical questions. They ask me how I cope. That's the second biggest question, how I gain access. Um, what kind of gear I use. And so rather than me spending all day on email and phone calls, we created a beautiful masterclass uh, that was filmed, me shooting at sanctuaries, uh, me answering questions and talking about investigative work and actually uh, including going to a vigil a, um, at, at Burlington at Fearman's Pork um, and how to shoot into trucks and that kind of thing. And so you just go to weanimalsmedia.org and click on uh, learning. And that's uh, where you'll see the masterclass. It's $45. Uh, it took hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours to put this together and make it something really professional and beautiful. I wanted to give it away for free, but we can't. <laughs> so it's $45. And I'm really, really happy to say that over 300 people have purchased it now, uh, which just tells me that even though this is a, a niche thing, it is a growing thing, animal photojournalism, and more and more people want to uh, want to learn about it and do it. I'm putting in the comment section, we animals, finish Media. it off. WeAnimalsMedia.org. WeAnimalsMedia.org. I need that. Um, Now, let me ask you a quick question because the uh, cameras on the iPhones are getting better and better. This one has three cameras. 
uh, and there's portrait mode. What would you say to encourage people to document and send out? Um, that's Jane Unchained's goal is just to send out these images to as many people as possible because once they see it, they can't unsee it. And you can talk to people till you're blue in the face about what happens. And you could try to convince people to go to vigils and then, oh, they can't make it at the last minute. You know how that is. Um, but when you send this out on social media, a picture of a pig or a cow about to be killed um, or a short video, um, this is very powerful. Even one image can turn somebody uh, plant-based. So yeah. what would you say about that? Um, we'll go to Bridget and then Julie. Actually, if I can, sure, of course. if I can give this to Louise specifically, my expertise is not that machine. In fact, I take really crappy cell phone pictures. So uh -huh. it's not something that I can speak to. But I know that especially in the vigil world, which Louise is in, like has been for years, there are a lot of people there with their cameras to to the trucks and filming. And I think if we're doing that, it's important to spend time like trying to get a good picture rather than like 30 average or not so good pictures. But um, Louise, what's your experience there with everyone going to the trucks with their cell phones? Well, generally, um, people do use their cell phones at the vigils. So a lot of them are live streaming um, and taking photos, but generally they're live streaming. Um, yeah, get this out with their friends and family and kind of force them to look at what's happening to these animals. Um, I don't think it's, it's, always necessary to have like the, the quality photos you know that we take with good cameras um just a photo on somebody's cell phone um you know showing the expression in the eyes of the animals going into the slaughterhouse um turns a lot of people vegan i mean sometimes it's just one photo so yeah that's interesting one photo can turn people vegan and uh I mean, I'll never forget the first time I saw a photo of pig gestation crates uh, lined up by the thousands. And I was like, no, this can't be real. This cannot be real. People can't be that evil that they would construct uh, a device that keeps animals in a cage the size of their bodies, unable to turn around pigs. And they, they are literally trapped like this. And there's thousands of them in a giant warehouse. Nope. Who could be that evil? It's evil. It's morally wrong. And yet there it is. And when I saw the photo, that was one of the photos I think that spurred my activism more than anything else. I was like, this is wrong and it has to end. Bridget. Um, I, I'm kind of, I'm the same as Joe. I don't use my cell phone a lot. I've been a photographer for about uh, probably about 16 years. I kind of always carry my DSLR with me. Um, but I think, I think Louise is right that it, one image can definitely be that powerful. And the more that people can get the word out there, you know, what Joanne said, if it's blurry, if it's, if it's grainy, even if it's blurry, it, whatever you can do to document what's happening and raise awareness as much as you can. I and think I think, I think the most important thing that you are doing is taking it to the finish line. I see a lot of people who take photos and videos, and I often wonder, where did those photos go? It's kind of like if you've ever been on a red carpet and everybody's taking photos and you go, where, where did those photos go? I've never seen them again. <laughs> you know, where's their film in the camera? Like, what are they, why is this happening? Because nothing is really coming out of it. And it's kind of a joke, you know, like, um, it's, it's always fun to be in a red carpet, but like, really where do those photos go to photo heaven and uh so i think it's what you've done is you haven't just taken the photos you've taken it to the finish line which is the book and uh i'm going to ask you to hold up the book one more time if you would while you talk about uh how you put this together this is extraordinary uh, the idea was inspired by a war photographer, in fact, uh, James Noctaway, who uh, covered conflict photography and all the terrible things that we do to each other. Uh, 
as humans. And he put them in this incredible book called Inferno. When I saw Inferno, I thought animals deserve a book like that as well. And in order to get the attention of the world, it needs to be a big, beautiful book. And so I brought in, uh, wonderfully, my co-editor, Keith Wilson, who is an extremely talented editor and journalist. And uh, David Griffin from National Geographic agreed to be the designer for the book. And so we put together a really, really great team so that we could do the best possible job. And yeah. uh, uh, I'm you know, thinking of more and more people who need this book. Go ahead. Continue on. Um, you were talking about pig, pigs in gestation crates and how those images have affected you. And I'd actually be really curious to hear from the women here, like if they had an image that they first saw that brought them to photography and animal photography, I certainly had one from when I was a kid. And maybe you guys have an image as well that really rocks your world. Julie? Um. <laughs> I wish I could remember. I, you know, it, it's sad to say, but I can't remember the image. But I remember I was working, and I was looking at the newspaper um, on a break at work, and I saw a photo, and it just, it, it just, I felt like my whole, my heart just exploded, and. Um, I felt like I needed to change the course of my whole life and start taking pictures of animals. I always wanted to help animals, but I never had a clear direction. And when I saw that one picture in the newspaper, it broke my heart. And I, and sadly, I can't remember the picture, but it was a, of an animal suffering and it broke my heart and, and it made me realize that that's what I needed to do. And that uh, was to take pictures, to take photos, become a photographer to help animals. It broke, your, it broke your heart, but it opened your heart too. Look what it did. That's incredible. Um, and before it goes to Bridget, I do want to say that um, similar to this, I talked to someone recently who saw the story about this book in The Guardian. And he said to me, when I dropped off three books, he, he ordered Hidden and my two other books, and I handed them to him in Ottawa. And he said, I have never considered animals in my life. I eat animals and I've never considered animals. And when I saw your picture of the pig in the truck in The Guardian, I bought all three of your books and I want to become a vegetarian. Woo! Yeah. Whoa, that's yeah. fantastic. The more I think about this, you know, The Guardian is a very, there are exceptions to the rule of Carnist Media, but The Guardian is one of them. They do incredible work. The Intercept is another one. Mm-hmm. And uh, and every so often you get opinion pieces uh, in the New York Times, et cetera, while they're promoting Turkey on another uh, part of the page. Um, but um, I, I definitely think some kind of visual media campaign around this could be very powerful. Imagine if you tried to give the book to the queen uh, and you you came to Buckingham Palace, right? Um well, I guess you'd all be in mass uh, and made a media event out of it and invited the media and said, because of, um, well, the the people who uh, march there, the soldiers, aren't those hats made of bear fur? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, isn't hunting still uh, being glorified? I mean, I just watched The Crown, which is brilliant but boy i think it's almost got an animal rights theme my first question was were any real animals killed to make that um which i don't have the answer to but uh they definitely made a point about the fact that uh, the aristocracy and royalty a lot of their uh leisure activities involve hurting and killing animals um i could see this being like an event every time you give a book that it becomes an event you know, it's such a good idea. I need like yeah. 10 lives and lots of people doing this too. Yeah. Maybe and I can get all the 40 photographers to do this along with me. Yeah, we, you do photographs and you make the, you can make a, like a social media book out of the book, delivering the book to people. You're hired. Even if they don't get it, at least the entire um, event would become like a thing. It's almost like an Andy Warhol kind of thinking, you know, um, because I would love to see that. I would love to see people going up to NBC. You mentioned hunting, so I thought I'd show this image. This is hunting dogs with a fox that has just been killed. This uh, was documented in the UK. 
Yeah, the book covers a lot of ground, but I also know that Bridget and Louise didn't get to answer that question about if there were images from the past that influenced them. All right, we'll go to Bridget right now. Bridget. There is one, and actually it's a PETA. It was from PETA. I was 14, and it was one of those little pamphlets, and it was just a cow head hanging on a chain. And it said, do you want fries with that? Like it was the typical, you know, pita flyer. And I saw that and went vegetarian. The images that made me want to start photojournalism was Joanne, which was like 11 or 12 years ago. And the only other thing I wanted to add in addition to that image being so powerful um, and one of the reasons why I've stuck with what I'm doing for so long, I had meant to mention it before that The one image is so powerful, and I think that zoos, because they're under the guise of conservation, don't get a lot of negative attention. Um, It's very, like, mixed, and there's a lot of politics involved with it. But the things that really gut me is when I see, I've seen images of animals, and then I've gone back to the same zoo a decade later, and it's the same animal in the cage, walking the same grounds. And that's the part that I really... For my images, I hope that people wrap their head around what we do in a decade and what this animal does, which is nothing. Wow. Well, we're getting to the end of this fascinating conversation. I wish I could just keep you all for hours because I love picking your brains. But what are some of your final thoughts? Uh, Maybe Julie. uh, It's great to, I know it's not the finish line because you've got to get it out to people and create this whole sort of um, movement around this book, essentially, it's the animals that people don't consider animals. That's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Everybody, my neighborhood pretty much has a dog. They consider themselves animal lovers, but those animals don't count. That suffering doesn't count. And we all know that that's the basis of evil. The basis of evil is the assumption that some suffering doesn't count. So what are your final thoughts, Julie, as we wrap up this incredible conversation? Um, I, I wanted to, I never got to answer about the cell phone, um, the cell phone part of the conversation. I actually, I've, I'm using my phone more than my camera now. Um, I pro- quality wise, I'd rather use my camera, but it takes me so long to edit I will get thousands of images on my camera and they will sit there for weeks. When I, t- when I use my phone, um, it's online 30 seconds later. So, and, and there's so much editing software and apps on, on our phones now. We can, we can make the images beautiful on our phones and so much quicker. Some, some other people are better at getting their images online from their, <laughs> from their professional cameras, but I'm not. Mine, mine take a lot longer to get through uh, Lightroom and, and out there. So I, I really encourage cell phone use. That's wow. great to know. And just shoot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, get to the finish line. Get to, into the eyeballs of somebody. That's the main thing. So final thoughts, Bridget. We're actually going to run over. And uh, Andrew, we'll say goodbye to Voice America Radio. Thank you so much, uh, Voice America, our executive producer, Tacey Trump, for allowing us to have this conversation, and Andrew for doing such a great job in the control room. We appreciate it. And we'll just uh, give everybody a chance to do their final thoughts on Facebook. So thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. 